What's going on, guys? This is Gary. This is Josh. Let's talk soccer. How's it going, man? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm good. I'm a little sore. Yeah, we just had a great workout, you know? Two days in a row. Your old man is not uh, accustomed to that level of exertion, so um, I'm going to be walking a little funny in the next couple of days. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining us for another Let's Talk Soccer podcast. Since we've last spoken, the... FPL has opened up to everyone. The new season is beginning. It's upon us. It feels really early. It does. Um, it's not even July yet. It's already started. I honestly thought this was going to come more towards the middle of July. Um, but, hey, they're smart because people are absolutely buzzing about this now. For sure. Um, and before we get too deep into things, we have received dozens and dozens if not you know in the hundreds of uh dms people asking us to post their teams for feedback um asking us for feedback some just saying really nice words to us which is always awesome but um like i posted yesterday which was saturday the 29th uh we're recording this on sunday the 30th of june um we will get back to everyone. We absolutely pride ourselves on responding to each and every DM or person at least once. Uh, if we keep getting someone asking question after question after question, we may have to move on to someone else, but we certainly will respond. It just may take a little time because it's just two of us um, fielding a lot of messages. And we like to put some thought into these and take a little time and think through it and customize our replies based on the questions you're asking or the information that you need. So bear with us. We will get to you. Thankfully, we've got a lot of time until, uh, what is it, the August 9th uh, <clears throat> first match. So we all good. Yes, we are In all the good. hood. Okay, so let's talk about our agenda for today. I'd like to talk about uh, some FPL price changes, up or down. All right. Position reclassifications, which I think is is interesting. They're always interesting. Um, Must-have players, uh, value players, and uh, a little bit on the Women's World Cup. All right. Which has been super exciting. All right. Let's first sort of dive into um, some price changes. So not too much in the way of goalkeepers. I think Pickford might have gone up. A little bit, and deservedly so. He finished the season uh, in third place for goalkeepers of points um, earned. So uh, good on him. I think Fabianski might have gone up. Yeah, I think from so. a four point five to a five. Um, but overall, not a ton of change for the goalkeepers. No, not a ton. Nothing that is going to keep um, folks from most likely getting the goalkeepers that they want um while we're on the topic of goalkeepers i've seen a lot of or not a lot i've seen a decent amount of folks who have run their their first drafts of their teams by us and and several of them have leno in which i think is interesting i'm not quite sold on that uh, arsenal defense yeah especially if they have pretty much any matches that are away yeah uh i think they kept like one cleat sheet the whole time 
away last season, so it's very questionable. Yeah, I mean, let's just, uh, for comparison's sake, Leno is priced at 5 million pounds. He had 106 FPL points last season, and um, let's see. Fabianski, also 5.0 pounds, 5.5 million pounds this season, um, had 143. So uh, what is that, a 37-point difference, quite a difference. So I don't know that... um, that Leno would be my guy if I had, you know, just five million to spend on a starting goalkeeper. I agree with that. All right. I thought you might. All right, let's take a look at some defenders. Now, <clears throat> this is where there's been some serious price adjustments, uh, mostly on the top few, top four even. Um, Robertson at seven million pounds. Alexander Arnold with probably the biggest jump because he was a value player. Um, at least towards the beginning of the season until his price started to rise. But he's at $7 million. So those two are priced as the two highest uh, defenders in the game, whereas a lot of folks had both of them in their teams last season. Now that becomes a real challenge. Uh, Van Dijk, um, the third of sort of that, that three-headed monster for the Liverpool defense, is at 6.5. So Van Dijk actually becomes the value defender there you know unless there's uh consistency to either like gomez gomez or matip um starting on the regular or lavrin i'm not quite sure what's going to happen with that fourth defender that may be the person you know if you if you take one of these other three expensive defenders maybe a lavrin or someone along those lines is is the new value. The new value if you want to double up on the Liverpool defense. Because right now, I mean, at a minimum, you're spending 13 and a half million pounds just on two of these three. And then if you want uh, Allison, he's the highest priced goalkeeper at six. I think he and Ederson are both at six. <clears throat> so, um, you know... It's it's hard to say double up on Liverpool defense because you're going to have to sacrifice somewhere. I think just generally speaking, these price changes this season is going to make for a real challenge for managers because you're not going to be able to get premium players um, or even you know sort of higher end mid price players um, you know across the board. Yeah, you're going to have to find value somewhere, and and we'll continue. We're going to create some posts, um, and we'll of course you know follow up in in uh, later podcasts on value players to add to your team. Uh, maybe some of the newly promoted players, for example, uh, could be good choices. And then of course the summer transfer window is not even close to being finished. So um, a lot of changes, a lot of additions could happen there. But, um, you know, I've seen quite a few teams with a very, very expensive back line, and then the rest of the team obviously suffers. Um, Laporte jumps a bit. He's at 6.5. You know, at least of the Man City defenders, he seems to be the most locked in. Of the bunch, Kyle Walker's at six. I think Mendy is at six. 
Um, Zinchenko, we'll sort of cross uh, agenda items here. He's been reclassified. He was a midfielder last season. He's a defender this season. He's a 5.5. So there's a lot of debate of whether Mendy will get that spot uh, out on the left or if it'll be Zinchenko. Um, so if, you know, if Zinchenko's a regular starter and he played quite well, um, sort of in that role or in a similar role, uh, especially the second half of the season for Pep, he may be a great get. Yeah, it just really depends on who Pep wants to start. Yeah. Because if it's Mendy, then that sort of changes the dynamic. Yeah. He goes up to $6 million, Yep. And that brings in a whole uh, bunch of different options. Absolutely. Um, Darty uh, jumps way up. I think he started last season at, what, 4.5? Yeah. I believe he's at 6 this season. So, um, you know, I, I we created a post, uh, maybe it was yesterday, uh, just asking the question of, you know, with, uh, you know, last season, Doherty and Juan Basaka were sort of the the gems um, of a team. They were super cheap, um, but they were regular starters and they produced a lot of points for their owners. This season now, uh, they're not sort of the, the worst kept secrets in fantasy Premier League. Um, their prices... Are high. I think Juan Basaka is at, at 5.5. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they've been sort of rewarded for their performances with high, um, high costs. So it's, I don't know who the next Doherty. It's going to be interesting because obviously at the start of the last season, we didn't know about Doherty or Juan Basaka. Right. Really. Yep. It's going to, it might take a little bit. It'll to, be someone. To find someone new. Yeah. Yep. The, uh, you know, those that can guess or predict. Um, before, you know, the masses will obviously be the ones to sort of position themselves the best. Uh, Digne, up to six. Uh, you know, he's, I think he's an, he's a very interesting one to have on your team. I think there's a lot of value, uh, <clears throat> coming from him. So it's going to be, it's going to be a challenge. It really is. Um, you know, look, Trippier's at 5.5. He may actually be, um, a, a good low-priced alternative. Uh, Duffy and Dunk, I think, both uh, were f- maybe 4.5 last season, and they're both up to 5. So um, defensively, it's going to be a real, real challenge. In the midfield, Salah actually goes down a little bit. He was $13 million at the beginning of last season. He's at 12.5. Still the highest-priced midfielder. Still very um, expensive, considering that if you want, let's say you really want a big, mid, uh, you want some big midfielders, and you choose Salah and yeah. Sterling, that's pretty much a quarter of your budget gone. Yep. On two players, so you really have to, you really have to consider. Yeah, Salah had a ton of points last season. Yeah. Getting two hundred fifty nine, but is that extra million when you could get someone like Mane, for example? Yep. Which one sort of? Uh, which one makes more sense because it's a lot of money you're investing in one player. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, what I would advise people to do, and I think we should do this as well, is take more of a, an analytical view of players. Uh, you know, sort of emotionally, uh, people are very passionate about Salah or Mane or a Liverpool midfielder in general um, or Sterling or something like that. Um, sometimes almost vanity um assets on your team um you know everyone's everyone wants Salah 
as an example, um, just because you want to kind of keep up with, uh, with the masses. But um, if you can pick the right combination of players and take a look at it on a points per million standpoint, for example, uh, you may come up with a, a more holistic uh, team that while maybe none of them or rarely some of them will, you know, get 13 points in a game or something, but, um, but maybe overall they're each delivering six to seven points a week. That's pretty solid, you yeah. know? Um, I would gladly take six to seven points a week from a player, from yeah. my, all of my players. For the, we did some calculations a while ago, but... <laughs> If around if you get around, let's say sixty six points, so from six from every player, yep. a week the whole season, you should easily finish like top five in the world. Yeah, yeah, you'll kill it. So, um, something to think about. Uh, you know, a lot of people will say, and I think a lot of people too, um, will not leave out Salah um, as an example because of you know sort of the teasing that they'll get. Um, from the rest of the FPL community, but you know, um, it's all about the points. Yeah, you know, doesn't matter who the player is; it just matters what kind of points he's going to deliver. So, you know, while like I said, while one player or a couple players may may be possible of uh, or able to generate a ton of points at any given time, if you can have all eleven of your players delivering pretty decent points all of the time. I don't know. It just seems like a better strategy to me. But definitely definitely a tactic to think about. And then lastly, uh, the forwards price-wise, um, Aguero at 12. And he might actually be the highest priced I think uh, he is. forward in the game. I think Kane's at 11. Yeah, he's at 11. So, um, you know, Kane... And Aubameyang are at 11, Aguero's at 12, and no one else is really kind of close to that. I know Firmino's at 9, Vardy's at 9. Jimenez, of course, has gone up significantly. Not, not, not a ton. When you're actually considering, he, he did go up a lot from last season. Yeah. But if you're considering him, or sort of comparing him to someone, even like Vardy. Yeah. He's, oh, Jimenez yeah. is only at 7.5 million, yeah. which yeah. is, it's really a steal. And, yeah. I mean, that's why he has to think about... Fifty percent ownership right yeah, now. Yeah, because he's yeah forty six. Certainly, him in your team. Yep, I agree. <clears throat> and you know, this may be one of those things where you may not be able to have a premium forward in your front three. Yeah, <clears throat> you just may not be able to because if you do, then you're going to sacrifice a premium midfielder. So again, it's kind of all up to strategy. I have a hard time imagining our team without Aguero in it, but it just may be out of necessity. Yeah. Um, something else kind of on a related note that uh, I saw today uh, from on Twitter from a uh, an outlet that covers Liverpool exclusively. Uh, apparently Klopp has talked about sort of easing Mane... Firmino and Salah back into the team at the start of the season because of how much 
how many minutes, how many games, how much playing they've done so far this summer, and they're not even done yet. So that's a consideration too. These guys may not play um, or may come off the bench the first couple or few games. So um, someone like an Origi as a short-term option um, or as a bench player may actually come in quite handy. So, uh, or, you know, uh, you know, someone in the midfield there for uh, like a Henderson or someone. Um, So just, of course, as new news breaks on that, we'll keep you guys posted. But um, that's kind of what we heard. And it kind of makes sense. And that would probably go for any player um, who's played a lot for their country over the summer. Um, Aguero has played a ton uh, for Argentina. Jimenez has played a bunch for Mexico. So, um, you know, just be mindful of that. All right. Let's shift on to some reclassifications. Um, obviously, nothing to worry about in the goalkeepers section. Uh, we mentioned Zinchenko uh, being dropped back to um, defender. And I don't think that there's much else defensively there. Yeah, Richie. Matt, yeah, Matt Richie. Midfielder defender. There you it, go. It could be interesting because later in the year, he was playing left back. But he still always has the potential to be even a right mid, left mid. So you never know about that. And yeah, if it's, he, it's key, especially if since they can't really change the position yeah. through the season in FPL. But if they are playing that in real life, that's, yeah. that brings a lot to the table. IRL, as they say. Yes. Yep. So those are a couple um, of uh, now defenders that were reclassified from their positions. Uh, last year, um, but you know, not not a ton there. Um, but like you're saying, if you can get a player like Richie who plays a very advanced role um, in the attack, then that's a great get. Uh, midfield wise, a couple of interesting ones. Um, where is he? Zaha, last year a forward. This year, a seven million pound midfielder. It's a very, very, very cheap deal, actually, for yeah a player of his quality. We don't know if he will stay at Crystal Palace because yeah, rumors are he might be moving to Arsenal. Mm-hmm. But we'll see about that. But in my opinion, that's a great deal. I think so too. Um, and uh, similarly, Iosi Perez moved as a midfielder. And uh, he's at six point five, and he had especially the second half of the season. He had quite a, quite a performance. Yeah, very decent player. <clears throat> Considering that David Silva and so David Silva is seven point five million. Mm-hmm. He only got two more points than Iosi Perez. Yep, and it's impressive. And then because David Silva is a top quality player, yep. as we all know. Yep. But then Iosi Perez brings the extra quality, and then he also brings sort of a. A differential. Yeah, he does. Um, only selected by just under 7% right now. Uh, 12 goals scored and 2 assists. So, um, 141 points. Not too shabby. It's pretty good. Um, you know, I think in terms of big-name midfielders, those are sort of the, the larger reclassifications there. And then at forward, um, I think a lot of people thought Salah was going to be classified as a forward. So that was kind of interesting that it wasn't. Jota yes. um, from Wolves is the one that catches my eye. 
um, at six point five million. Um, you know, he could not be another value player. He had nine goals and eight assists. Yeah, he's a great value season. player. <clears throat> and the only the only thing that's possibly difficult with him is since you pretty much everyone has uh, Jimenez in their team already. Mm-hmm. Do you want to? Wolves forwards in right. your team. No, I think that's a bit of overkill, quite honestly. Yeah. I've seen a lot of folks going with two Bournemouth forwards, and I, I think that's a bit unnecessary as well. Um, okay, let's talk um, value players. Let's talk about that first, and then we'll hit must-haves. Since we're, I'm kind of on that topic already, <clears throat> a value player for me is Josh King. Yeah, for sure. 141 points. He's at 6.5 million, whereas Wilson is at 8.0. King is on pens uh, for Bournemouth. So, you know, I think think there's a lot of value to be found in him. Same with Jota, as we were saying. But, you know, if you're looking for a Bournemouth player, and I believe that their fixtures are quite tasty. Yeah, so... um, You know, out of the first, what is this, seven fixtures, only one of them is a four. There's one that's a three, and the rest are twos. Not bad. Not bad at all. Um, So I do think that that King, and I I think we'll see him in a lot of teams. He's almost got 20% ownership already. Um, Timu Puki, love that name. Um, of Norwich was the leading goal scorer in the championship last season. Obviously unproven in the Premier League, but you know if he can, you know he could be this season's Jimenez. Yeah, just he brings value, especially from a promoted team where, you know, people probably don't expect him to do like and very very well. Yeah, they might expect him to get a few goals here and there, but who knows? Because Jimenez had a great season last year. Right. So you never know. He's he's a good value player, also a good very difficult. He obviously knows. Player. Yeah, he obviously knows how to put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, he's at six point five million now. Um, so is Josh King. Me personally, I'd rather go with the known entity than the unknown. Um, and I I would take King. Yeah. Personally, um, in the midfield, in terms of value. Um, this is kind of a tougher one. I think Bernardo Silva um, is. He's at $8 million. Um, Pep loves him. I think he'll be featured quite a bit. Zaha, as we mentioned, at $7 million, I think is a great get, as is Iosi Perez. I think... Even Madison. Madison's at 7 Yeah, Madison, his underlying stats are actually really, really good. He could have a, a much bigger season, especially now that Tillemans is no longer in the squad and Madison will sort of be that featured attacking midfielder. Um, yeah, I think that there's a lot of value. David Brooks, um, I think was at 5 million last season. He's at 6.5 this season, but you know, you know, he can bring a good amount of value with him as well. Uh, Milivojevic is only at 7 million. He of course is on pens for Crystal Palace. And then defensively, it's very difficult defense considering that really pretty much is. all the, even all the people last year who were like, yeah, they're sort of mid price. They've all gone up to at least six. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Van Anholt maybe at five point five. That's not okay. really what I would. Yeah, Ake I think 
uh, because of that Bournemouth schedule. He's at $5 million. I think we're going to see him in a lot of squads uh, before the season starts. Duffy is at $5 million. Um, maybe LaSalle's. Maybe. Maybe. It's He's difficult at 4.5. with defense this year. It is with defense. Um, one other midfielder that I want to mention is um, Conte. So, obviously a defensive mid, uh, more so than anything else. Um, but he did have 116 points last season. Um, he's only 5 million pounds. So even coming off the bench, it's not necessarily a bad get. And when Lampard or whomever the new Chelsea manager comes in, he may play Conte more forward. Yeah, because what happened last year was... Conte didn't look amazing because he was out of position. And he's he's sort of grown into the position a little bit. Yeah, sorry, he, I was trying to making room for Jorginho, I believe. Which personally when that's at the start of the season when Jorginho was playing in the more defensive role, I thought that was not smart considering he probably is the best defensive midfielder in the world. Yes. And Conte got to a bit of a shaky start, but overall he sort of grew into the position yeah. and he improved. Absolutely. Yep. I think Conte could be um, could be a good one to have. All right. Let's talk uh, must haves. So first, you know, there's the the concept of a set it and forget it goalkeeper. Um, I'm fine with that. Um, you know, you have either that choice or get a couple of like four point five or a four point five and a five million pound goalkeeper, and then you just rotate. Um, I would. Which which uh, tactic do you prefer better? So I don't forget it or rotate. Um, I personally like to rotate uh-huh. because it just gives you options. Yeah, especially if your goalkeeper has a terrible first match. For example, yeah. uh, in the little sort of team I was trying to put together, I have Patricio and Fabianski because yeah, originally I was just like I'm like stick with Fabianski the whole year, but yeah. then that Man City first match that doesn't help him. So right. I think it's always good to have two keepers. Yeah. And because as long as you're not getting two really expensive keepers, I think you're fine. <clears throat> yeah. So, for instance, you know, if you were to go set it and forget it uh, and get either Allison or Ederson, they're both six million. And then presumably you would get a four million pound goalkeeper, none of which that I'm aware of are going to be, you know, uh, regular contributors to their team so you're you're stuck with one goalkeeper which is fine but you know conceivably you could spend nine million on two goalkeepers that are going to start um you know a matty ryan and maybe um you know mccarthy from southampton as an example um tom heaton at burnley is going to be interesting if he gets that starting role um, or you go 9.5 and you get, you know, a 5 million pound goalkeeper like a Fabianski and a Matty Ryan um, and just rotate them, which is kind of what I'm leaning towards. Schmeichel's only 5.0 million pounds as well. Uh, defensively, and we've kind of talked about some of these guys, <clears throat> I think you got to have at least one Liverpool defender. I completely agree. Take your pick. Um, I think one Man City defender, or you get your coverage through Allison. Yeah. But they will put up clean sheets, so I think you've got to have one there. 
Um, then the rest, honestly, is kind of up for grabs. Yeah, you can really, you can sort of, uh, you can sort of tinker around because it, when you think about it, you really only need from. So there's you have to pick five defenders for your team. Mm-hmm. If we're saying that you take a Liverpool defender and a Man City defender, you probably only need maybe two more defenders that will yeah be starting the whole time because yeah unless you're planning to play four or five in the back right i think most people are leaning to three in the back you probably only need one other player to start a game or two yeah and then another player you can sort of switch with that player yeah so the fifth option sort of becomes less yeah. relevant agreed yeah you want three dependable strong defenders um and not all of them have to be premium and then right for your your bench for your fourth defender you want someone that starts regularly but isn't gonna break the bank and then the other one is just sort of a throwaway. um back to value again uh players in the midfield i think almiron yep is gonna bring a lot this season he's at six million pounds and uh it'll be interesting to see where pulisic he's not yet listed i think he may be tomorrow which is july 1st um but we'll see It'll be interesting to see where he comes in. Because right now, there's not a must-have from Chelsea, which is weird. Yeah, you usually expect from every big six club to have that one player that they're like, yes, we need this person in our team. Yeah. And even in Man U, a lot of people aren't picking Pogba right now. Right. And I agree with that. I haven't seen one draft with Pogba in it. I've actually seen one with Alexis Sanchez. And none with uh, with Pogs. Must have midfielders. Hmm. You probably need one of the three of Salah, Sterling, or Mane. I agree with that. Um, and that's that's probably, really it. that's really all you can. Yeah, I mean the rest is sort of you can sort of choose up for grabs from there. Yeah, there's good options, but again, it's it's about making that budget stretch as much as possible. And then forwards wise, um. I'm going to go sort of lower end and say someone like uh, Jimenez, Wilson, King, maybe Jota. I agree with that. Um, so my, when, for my strategy for picking forwards, I personally think you need, for in my sort of uh, first team, I'm pretty sure I have Aguero, Jimenez, mm-hmm. and King. Um, mm-hmm. I I feel like you definitely need Jimenez in your team. Yeah. You definitely need him. And then King's also a really good option because of the value. Yeah. And then you really don't have to go with Aguero, even though it seems like the obvious choice. Yes. To, but it's sort of, you have to, as you were saying, you have to sort of consider um, how will this affect sort of my midfield or just the rest of my team in general, mm-hmm. spending so much money. Yeah. Yep. For sure. You know, um, back to value uh, midfielders again as well. I think Declan Rice, he was another position or classification, right? Yes, he was. He was a defender. He's at $5 million. Very um, cheap, sort of like Conte. He played over 3,000 minutes last season uh, for West Ham, and he got 92 points. So, Not you know, that's, that's quite a steal. You know, he's obviously the same price as, uh, as Conte is. Um, but in terms of value, that that seems to kind of fit the bill. Though. Yeah. Um, all right. Lastly, transitioning out of uh, fantasy Premier League, let's talk Women's World Cup for a minute. So um, 
two really good matches. Um, or I guess four really good matches, we should say. Um, I think the U.S. were up... No, England-Norway were up first. Uh, England with a lovely 3-0 win over Norway. Um, they play our United States women's team, who won 2-1 over France. Should have been 3-1. That Tobin Heath goal that was disallowed shouldn't have been. Uh, but that was a great win. And the first time that they've been scored on... Yep. Right? Um, or second. Well, it was, sorry, second. Second, um, yeah. It was... So the... The England game was sort of a, sort of an easy game, sort of yeah. cool, just sort of, it, it was sort of expected. Yeah. The France-United States match, uh, people were calling it the final before the final. Yeah. The two, probably the two best teams going into the it. The battle royale. Overall, I think it was a, it was a pretty good game. I feel like France probably, they probably uh, dominated more of the chances, but just yeah. the United States were more clinical. Um, you know, I think... For us, the U.S., um, uh, Rapino is, you know, all the eggs are in her basket. Yep. And as she goes, the team goes, and that's not great because if she has a bad game or she gets injured or whatever, um, surprisingly enough, um, Alex Morgan hasn't really produced at all in the past couple of games, um, really at all. Uh, Carly Lloyd hasn't played a ton, so something's going to need to change with that because we need other players that are that are able to put the ball in the net as well. Yep. And I'm sure England are all over that, and if they can shut down Rapino, I think they got a really good shot. Um, <clears throat> Netherlands with a two nil win over Italy, they was, looked dominant. Yeah, it was the Netherlands seemed to control the game for most of it, and. It was the score didn't really dictate the match a ton. Mm-hmm. At least at the start when it was nil nil, uh, the Netherlands were just they had all the possession. Yeah, and then two very solid free kicks uh, put them in front, and then it was pretty smooth sailing for the Netherlands. Yes, and then lastly, uh, Sweden with a two one win over Germany, and I think it was kind of the same. The score line didn't necessarily. I think Sweden kind of dominated that game. Yeah, Germany got a. A very early goal, probably, it was a little bit of luck, a few deflections, um, but overall, I think I think Sweden controlled the game. Yeah, so we've got, um, next up, we've got the uh, U.S. facing England um, on Tuesday, and on Wednesday, we've got Netherlands-Sweden, uh, so those are the two semifinal matches, and then the final is a week from today, next Sunday, the 7th. Yeah. So uh, that's going to be it. Uh, so, you know, go U.S.? Yeah, go U.S. But best of luck to all teams. I uh, hope you guys are watching um, because it it's exciting football to watch without Great a doubt. Time. Yeah, really good stuff. All right, guys. I think that's going to do it for this episode. This was a good one. Yeah, it was very good. All right, guys. Until next time, hit us up on Instagram. The handle is at Let's Talk Soccer. Uh, Thank you for listening. Tell your friends about it. Give us a follow on Instagram as well. And until next time, we say peace. Peace. Goodbye.